Hi, I'm David Stein. When I'm not talking to other people about money on Money for the Rest of Us, I'm stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and on this, the International Day of Awesomeness, we knew it must be time to say hello again to Heather Chauvin. Struggling with money and life? Heather's been there, and she'll share her own struggles and triumphs you can learn from on today's show. Plus, a year into the coronavirus outbreak, how's your savings habit been impacted? We'll share some new data on that topic during our headline segment. Later, we'll toss out the Haven Lifeline to longtime listener Roy, who has a question about some of the biggest business and personal wins down here in the basement. And I'll share some trivia to save the day. And now, two guys who would have completely botched International Day of Awesomeness without me. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Can't have any Wednesday awesome without our friend Doug. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hump Day. I'm Joe Salci. I average Joe money on Twitter and Across the card table from me again, as usual for a Wednesday, ready to light up the microphone. It's my friend OG. What's happening? I am so excited for today's show. Heather Chauvin, when she was here last time, was so much fun, and she's got such a compelling story. I can't wait for people to hear it. Last time she didn't talk about money much. This time she's going to talk about her money struggles along her journey of uh, stage four cancer. How you take something that horrible and make it glass half full, Heather finds a way. Heather's here in the basement. We're going to talk mortgages with Navy Federal Credit Union. But first, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. That means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Heather Chauvin waiting in the wings. So let's get to your headlines. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Well, OG, as weirdness continues to roll through these uh, months now turned into years 
of social distancing, hanging out at home during the pandemic. Didn't see this one coming. CNBC, lumber prices. You see lumber prices? Uh, I know about them. Yeah. It's going up. Lumber prices top $1,000 for the first time as single-family housing starts drop 12%. This is written by uh, Diana Olick over at CNBC. Consumers want more newly built affordable homes, but builders are finding that hard to deliver, especially as prices for framing lumber spike even higher. Lumber prices inched above 1,000 per 1,000 board feet last Thursday before falling back below that milestone, according to Random Length Lumber Futures for March. Random Length Lumber Futures. We've got a future for everything. Probably do better than my uh, Apple stock lately, so I might look into it. (laughs) Just start investing in lumber. But also, if you're building a computer, if you look at semiconductor prices, which has affected everything from, from health screening equipment to uh, much more important stuff like the fact that I can't buy an Xbox. Yeah. It's crazy, craziness. Tough patooties. Well, you can buy one. You just got to kind of belly up to the bar there. So I'll see. Hi. Well, so what do you do here? You know, if you're somebody that needs a new house or you're in the market for a new house, interest rates are still low. You see interest rates now starting to go up, right? Interest rates may be on the move. Maybe the low, low, low past is behind us. Lumber prices sky high, though. Do I do it now? Do I wait for lumber prices to come down and maybe mortgage prices are up then? What's my move? Well, firstly, I don't think that interest rates are going to, you know, go from two and a half or whatever you find them at today to six. Three is a good interest rate. Three and a half is a great interest rate. Four is a great interest rate. All those are great numbers. I think that the demand supply issue, you know, will work itself out, you know, where there's a vacuum it's going to attract market participants. If you have the opportunity to increase production, it's just like what we saw with oil years ago. You know, when when oil was going for 140 bucks a barrel, all of a sudden, everybody knew how to produce oil. It was crazy. It was coming out of the woodwork. And then as oil starts going back down again, eh, it's not really worth it anymore. You know, so I think we'll see that equilibrium happen again. I don't know. I don't know how long it takes. I I was reading a different article about this, but I thought that I'd read that it was somewhere, I expected it to be sometime in the summer by the time it kind of, you know, sorted itself out. So I don't know if you got to really worry too much about it, but the new home prices and rebuild prices, if you're, you know, if you're still working on a house that was damaged for storm damage or something like that, you're going to be impacted by it. So that kind of sucks. But if you can wait, I think... I think you have to weigh out the differences between the potential of a higher mortgage cost and what that might look like, a higher interest rate cost, versus the higher purchase price with the lower interest rate cost. Another reason, I think, here to keep a little extra money on hand, OG. Just in case you need to buy some two-by-fours. There's never know. There, by the way, I was just thinking, there is never a situation where having, quote, a little more money on hand hurts, right? (laughs) I was just thinking about like, you know, you got people like Glenn, the doomsday preppers, right? That have like piles of MREs in their basement and bullets and bars of gold. And do you think they also have like two by fours now? They're like, I'm going <laughs> to, you never know where you need plywood. <laughs> Pick up plywood on this cheap. Remember a year ago, we had the toilet paper controversy and Len was, I'm good. <laughs> he did say he was good on toilet paper. <laughs> so he probably has plywood and two by fours in the, in the bunker also. Not getting to me building industry. Not getting to me. He's inflation proof. 
I do love how I made that sound so easy, though. Just have a little extra cash. This is a good reason why you have extra cash on hand. Just our lesson to you, people, is have some extra cash. You're welcome, America. <laughs> Financial guru right here. What do you think we should do about that, Joe? Uh, I'd recommend having more cash. More cash would be great. Yes, please. If you just make more money and have more cash, everything works. It's amazing how that works. We can turn Paula's mantra on its head. You can afford everything if you just have more cash. If you just have more money, you can do anything. And in our second headline, listen to this one, OG. U.S. mortgage rates jump by most in nearly a year. This is written by Dan Burns over at Reuters. And Dan writes... U.S. mortgage rates jumped by the most in nearly a year two weeks ago to their highest level since July on the heels of a surge in Treasury bond yields, which are moving up on expectations of an economic rebound in the months ahead as coronavirus vaccines reach a larger share of Americans. The contract rate on a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, and by the way, remember, everybody, this is two weeks old information, so everything's probably changed by now. The most popular U.S. home loan rose by 0.15 percentage point to 3.23% in the weekend of February 26th, the Mortgage Bankers Association said on Wednesday. So are mortgage rates going to continue to go up? What do we do if you haven't put your plan together yet? Well, luckily, we've got you covered. I'm my dad, Shortwave, for our friends over at Navy Federal Credit Union. Kevin Parker, VP of Field Mortgage, joins us. How are you, man? I'm doing good. How are you doing, John? Well, I'm, I'm great, but this is kind of concerning news for everybody thinking, but I haven't refinanced yet. What's what's your take on uh, interest rates going up? Yeah, so I think you're exactly right. Most people's first reaction is FOMO. They're fear of missing out. I need to do something now, now, now. But I like to tell people to stop, take a pause, and uh, put it in perspective. If you look at rates two or three years ago, rates are still percent lower. If you look at rates five, six years ago, they're still 2% lower than that. If you go back 10, even 15 years, <laughs> We're still almost four or five percent lower. So historically, rates are still fantastic, and it's still time. So you don't have to rush into making a bad decision. But uh, rates are going to likely kind of plateau out and kind of have a steady increase over time. So you do expect this trend to continue, though? We do, yeah. If you look at the ten-year Treasury, and for all the nerds out there, the Treasury has been creeping up the last few months, and that's typically indication of where mortgage rates are headed. So yeah. And it's funny when you talk about rates still near lows. When I hear people having FOMO, Kevin, I do have some serious eye roll because I don't know. I'm a guy of a certain age and I remember rates at 8%. I'm like, stop your whining. <laughs> You're exactly right. That's why I go back to its perspective. You know, more than anything, it comes down to payment. And people care about how much do I have to write that check for? Or I guess in today's world, how much do we have to do the ACH transfer? Or how are you going to digitally transfer your mortgage payment? People are concerned about what is that check I'm going to write and how much is that going to be? And of course, your rate does dictate that. So what we're saying here is that you put things all in perspective. Uh, your mortgage payment is still going to be relatively low if you look at things over the historical basis in terms of rates over the last several years. That's a great point, Kevin. And we've got a bunch of new stackers who listen to our show every episode, don't know a lot about mortgages. So if somebody's digging into the mortgage scene for the first time, what are the few things you tell newbies to look out for? First thing is education. We love to teach uh, not only our members, but just consumers in general. And it's so much free content. Uh, having podcasts uh, uh, like you guys have, Joe, I think is a fantastic resource as well, too. But just taking the time to learn a little bit about some of the basics, some of the basics like APR. APR is annual percentage rates, which is basically the total cost. So it's not just the interest rate, but it's any additional fees that you pay. That's the number one thing that you understand that you can compare apples to apples to lenders across the industry. 
when we talk about, you know, people hear things like points and mortgage fees, uh, what do I look for in those areas? Yeah, so points and fees are basically, uh, they factor into the cost. So you have fees, things like appraisal, title, flood, things like that actually cost us money to produce the loan. And then points are basically ways that you can adjust the pricing. And by pricing, I mean the actual interest rate. So for example, if you pay a point, you're paying money, let's say you're paying cash, that technically is going to reduce your interest rate. If you don't want to pay points, your rate may be higher. So it's a way to adjust uh, what you want to pay based off your situation. So typically when you have more cash sitting around, it gives you opportunity to take advantage of a lower rate. If you don't, that's fine too, because you don't have to pay those additional costs and you can still get a pretty good interest rate uh, in today's world. So I'm, I'm thinking then, based on what you're saying, if I think I'm going to be in my house a long time, Kevin, and interest rates are pretty low right now, like usually if, if, if rates were 7 or 8%, I might think don't pay points to get that down a little bit because they might go lower. But here where we are today, do you think paying points is a good idea? If you have the cash, yes. The number one criteria, once again, is uh, if you have uh, the cash, to because when you're paying those points, you're, you're paying them out of your pocket. You're going to add them onto the loan. And so if you do have a cash available, absolutely, it's typically worth it if you're going to stay in the house for long term. Are there any other things that trip people up when they go to get a mortgage that, uh, in your experience, you guys are able to help them with? Uh, yeah, I would say documentation. Uh, ah. As you know, in today's world, when, when you're getting a mortgage, yes, we do want to verify your income. And we do want to verify assets. A lot of times that comes from information that we need from you. Most lenders today have digital tools. So uh, we have a tool called Home Squad, which you can upload everything, even from your phone. And so it's easy. But typically, the faster you can get those items to lenders up front, the better they can tell you your situation in terms of what else they may or may not need to help you through the process. That's great advice. And I remember my first time I got a mortgage, I was surprised by all the stuff that I needed. So getting that together up front is just a huge key to getting it done quick. Absolutely. We heard back in the... Uh, Back last year, a ton of people doing refinances that it was taking places a long time to get these done, Kevin. Have we seen that turnaround on getting a refinance or a mortgage done? Have we found that quicken again? Yes, drastically. Uh, yeah, I'm shameful to say all of us lenders several months ago, uh, it was taking three, four, five months in some cases to get refinances done because it's just sheer volume. Sure. Uh, if you imagine, if you walk into a bank branch, you can see the number of people standing in line waiting. Well, for refinance world, there were a lot of people standing in line out the doors. And so, yes, it was slowing up cycle times. You have standing in line a lot longer. We'd love to say now the lines are a hell of a lot shorter now. And so <laughs> we're closing refinances a lot faster than we were several months ago. That is very good news. And I'm sure, by the way, just everybody's systems around COVID have just gotten, have gotten better, too, after the shock a year ago. Kevin, I know, yeah. you, I know you guys at Navy Federal have some tools people can use. Where do we find them? Uh, go to NavyFederal.org. Uh, we have some calculators. We have all types of wizards that can help you through the mortgage process and just all types of financial tools. And so that's normally a great resource. Thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes, Kevin, and talking mortgages. I really appreciate your help. Thank you. We appreciate you. Big thanks to Kevin Parker for calling in. You know, OG, never, never a bad day to have a primer on mortgages. I love his take, which is get your restructuring together now. You never know what mortgages are going to do tomorrow. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't think it's a good idea to play that game. It's just like market timing and trying to exactly pick the bottom of, of the interest rate. Plus, frankly, I mean, with, with the way that interest rates or the way that mortgages work, you can you can buy a lower interest rate if you think it works for you. So, so get it done. I think that's lesson number one. 
Lesson number two is stock up on lumber. Is that the is that the yes. lesson? Mm-hmm. Well, you should have stocked up on lumber. Get yourself some good wood. Oh boy, managing your money has typically been complicated, time consuming, and just another reason to bite your nails. But for half a million investors who have accounts with M1 Finance, investing smarter, more automated, and easier than ever. So do yourself a favor this year and check out M1. This finance super app is designed to be personalized for your needs and their automation tools make it simpler to reach your financial goals. With M1, you can invest how you want with access to fractional shares and unmatched automation for free. You can borrow against your investments at super low rates, just two to three and a half percent and use that flexible portfolio line of credit for anything like investing more in your portfolio, refinancing other loans, or funding large projects. M1 ties it together in a free digital account so you have more flexibility and smoother money movements. Just keep in mind, stackers, borrowing involves higher risks and rates can vary. So visit M1 Finance forward slash SB to sign up and you're going to get $30 toward investing. How cool is that? It's M, the number one finance.com forward slash SB to sign up. You'll get 30 bucks to invest because you're a stacker. Terms and conditions apply. Well, here on National Awesomeness Day, of course, we have one of the most awesome people we know, Heather Chauvin, coming down to the basement. Heather is uh, a former neighbor of mine back when I was in Detroit. She is in Windsor, Canada, has an awesome, awesome podcast called Moms in Control. And she also has a heck of a story. Normally, I'd tell you about her story. She was here about a year and a half ago telling her story one time. We're going to this time talk about it in terms of a new book where she outlines some of the problems that we all face when it comes to growing up, adulting, and problems that we don't all have to face, like uh, facing stage four cancer at the same time that she's also starting a business, uh, bootstrapping it and uh, maxing out the credit cards and fighting with her husband about money. It all wraps in together. So here she comes, somebody that uh, is Miss Awesomeness herself, Heather Chauvin, coming down to the basement. And I'm my dad, Shortwave Radio. It's my friend, Heather Chauvin. How are you? I am so good. Thank you, Joe. I want to tell actually a story from the first time you and I met. I'm going to tell the story through your eyes, through your Instagram feed. (laughs) You get this media pitch to come on the Stacking Benjamin Show. You have no idea where it is. And your assistant sends you to this neighborhood and to a basement. There are people, Heather, that don't believe that we do this in my mom's basement. You've been there. I know. I think it's hilarious. And I brought one of my children with me. Not only am I going to a stranger's house, but I brought a child with me. I thought you brought brought your child. Which son was? Was that Logan? Maybe it was Calvin. I think I had Calvin with me, the middle one. He was a very polite young man. They're all polite. They're quiet. Because he was like, mom, where are we going? I'm like, I don't know. But if I start, you know, if we use the code words, it's time to go. <laughs> he, he might be a serial killer, but I don't think he'll kill both of us. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Well, that was a lot of fun. And um, you even got to meet Cheryl, my spouse. 
And uh, I was telling her part of the story of your book and she's asking me questions. I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to ask her. So we're going to ask you a bunch of questions here, starting with this. Your book is dedicated to your grandmother and having interviewed you once before, Heather, there's a lot of people in your life. There's, you have your whole family. Why is this dedicated to grandma? That's like the little secret that when people ask me, you're going to make me cry from the first question that we do. So I've dedicated the book to my grandmother because she actually passed a year before I decided to pull the trigger on which way I was going to write this book. And my grandmother was in her 30s when she was diagnosed with cancer. She raised three boys and our stories were very parallel. And I remember the last conversation that I had with her when I went to go visit her in the hospital. And I said, I'm writing my book, but I yet did not fully commit to doing it. And she said, oh, honey, you're my special little girl. We have such parallel paths in our mothering and our cancer stories. And I just never got the courage to write my book. I kept I kept telling my story again and again in a journal. And she said, I'm going to have to stay around to read your book. And after she passed, I just thought, we have one life. And so many stories. And this woman never pitied me. She never treated me like a victim when I was sick. But when I was sick, she always came to visit me and always had this energy of like, you're going to get through this. Like, you can do this. Look how strong you are. And so that's why I dedicated the book to her. There's a movie that um, I don't even remember the name of it. Uh, Seth Rogen and... uh, Joseph, um, uh, what's his name? Joseph something Levitt, Joseph something. Anyway, I'm trying, I'm like, maybe I can help you, but I have no idea where you're going. The Joseph, somebody's screaming at their device right now going is Joseph Gordon Levitt, I think is his name, Okay, but he has cancer and, Mm -hmm. and Seth Rogen is somebody who is barely in his life. But when he gets cancer, all of a sudden Seth Rogen's there all the time. And I've heard this from people with cancer, that there are people that all of a sudden become very sticky when you get sick. And there are people who've been your best friends who just completely go away because they can't, they can't deal with it in their own head. Did Mm -hmm. you see the same thing? Yeah, I actually had a friend who I went to high school with, and she was diagnosed a few years before me and we got very close I just remember saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. And she's like, Heather, wait, the other side, everything gets brighter. And there was many people, but a lot of the people that I got really, really close to were the ones who had crazy adversity in their lives and like got you. And there's this, you know, spiritual connection that you have with these people. And the ones that fell away or just had to like, you know, remove themselves a little bit. I actually... I didn't realize how much I was holding for people and that I was the strong one for everybody else. So when I was the one who needed support, I realized that a lot of people didn't know how to support me because I was always the one supporting them. So a lot of the people that I really surrounded myself with and became close weren't really in my life before, but we came together because of our stories. That's so, so strange how the world just flips for people who didn't catch you and I talking about your story a year ago. Let's just fill those people in. And I'm just going to read from the introduction to your book. 
you write underneath a picture of you and you look like you're very pregnant. Mm -hmm. You write, I'm smiling, or at least I'm trying to. That's my first thought every time I see this photo. It was taken in December 2013. I was a 27-year-old married mom of three with a degree in social work, an increasingly devoted personal development junkie. I meditated, drank green juice, and was slowly growing my business, helping moms take control of their lives. Honestly, though, it was proving to be an expensive, time-consuming hobby. We were under tremendous financial strain, and that was wearing badly on my marriage. I want to mm -hmm. ask about the financial strain in a second, but let's start off with people that missed you and I a year ago. Tell them about this picture. Yeah, so my abdomen is wildly... I, people actually were stopping me in the streets asking me, like, when are you due? When are you due? And I had stage four sporadic, uh, sporadic burkets. I was diagnosed on December 21st. 2013, my abdomen grew rapidly from date of diagnosis to when that picture was taken, which was only a few, uh, a few weeks. I remember going to the hospital with my husband, um, because the first time I left, I was like, I don't deserve to be here. I'm not sick enough. I just have mild bloating and abdominal back pain. And then he's like, Nope, I'm bringing you back. You cannot leave you can't run away from this is pretty much what I was doing. Cause I kept saying, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Like every woman. And yeah, they did a CT and blood work and said, Heather, you have cancer. You know, there were symptoms there for a while that my body was starting to break down, but I kept telling myself, I don't have time. I'm a mother. I'm busy. I'm overwhelmed. I don't have time. I don't have time. And I actually believe or remember telling myself, I'm young. I have years to burn myself out. I remember saying that. I'm young. I have years to burn myself out. This isn't that bad. Whatever it is, we'll clear it up quickly. But then when they told me I had cancer, Joe, there was this very interesting part of me that went, you already knew this. You already knew that you were sick, but I was just so terrified. So I kept busying myself and using all the excuses to run away from the truth, which was that I was very sick. I will link back, by the way, for people that didn't hear that amazing discussion and, and that story on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. I was surprised to see, though, that from that story, you go into rewind mode and really start from, quote, the beginning. And mm -hmm. you're in, I think you're, what year of high school were you when the story starts, when you're you're taking a pregnancy test. You're sure it's going to be negative and your world completely changes. Yeah. I found out I was pregnant three weeks before I graduated high school. So I could hide it. Nobody knew I was three months pregnant and I was working at a clinic, um, ironically a walk-in clinic. So I stole one of the pregnancy tests and after work went home. Um, oh, so nobody at the clinic, I was wondering that nobody at the clinic knew that you had even taken this test. Cause I was even thinking as I was reading it, Heather, what are the people at the clinic saying? Cause you know, everybody's judgy. No, but I do remember telling them after and they were actually really nice because there was a lot of I mean, there was doctors and the doctors, of course, have seen this before. Um, so when they found out they were actually amazing. And I worked there for a while until I couldn't anymore. And they were very, very supportive. But when I originally found out that I was pregnant, it was obviously a huge blow. I mean, three weeks, it, it just, I felt like my dreams were shattered because I was already admitted into um, college. I was leaving the house. I was so excited to like 
find myself and do all the things that you do after high school and in your 20s. Um, and I immediately went into parenthood and it completely changed everything. And I remember looking at my son for the first time thinking, I need to become the person that I most desire you to be. It was almost instinctual. I'm like, I already have failed. So what can I do? I'm going to become the person I want you to be. And I've always felt like I got to be two steps ahead of this kid. And so now three boys later, hopefully I'm a little more mature than them. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe slightly. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. A 16 year old, you just started driving. I'm like, oh gosh, here we go. Oh no. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of wisdom in this book. So I would say definitely. So I want to, I want to stick with this early time though, because I was very surprised because, and I think this is a lot of people listening to this or several, you go home, you've got this huge news for your mom. Yeah. You're clearly crying. She's on the phone. Tell me what she said. Oh, chapter two. I gave my mom the book and I said, just please do not read chapter two. And that was actually a really, really difficult one. She left. She left the house. She didn't say say anything to you. She just, she's like, what do you need? What's wrong? And she just kept repeating. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Cause I said, I'm pregnant. And immediately she just said, Oh my God. Oh my God. And she got very quiet. And then she left. She left the house. She had to like go process what just happened. And I just remember sitting there thinking to myself, I'm alone again. Look at this. I'm by myself. I got to figure this out. Nobody is here to save me. Not even my parents. So what did you do? I figured shit out, Joe. <laughs> I well, It was a little I, more windy than that, however. Yes. I also, yeah, <laughs> I also had to, I wasn't in a relationship that I was satisfied with. I mean, I was young and I just kept asking myself, do I want to be with this person for the rest of my life? I don't know what part of it was when I was like 18 year, years old to have that wisdom to know this isn't the life that I want to be living 20 years from now. So what decisions that I'm going to make today are going to impact the rest, like not only my child, but the rest of my life. And I, I literally made a commitment. I have to do this by myself. I have to do this by myself. And I truly felt like I was doing everything by myself, Miss Independent. But you actually had no choice. And this was part of the story that Cheryl, my spouse, I was conveying to her because this was horrifying to me as a reader you go to have your baby. There's some distress. They yeah. have you sign all these forms. I also find this kind of hysterical because it's a little like a mortgage where you're like, I, okay, I just want this house. I want to buy it. But you are clearly in distress. So who can, you're going to sign whatever they say. Yeah. You go into the operating room. And the only thing it seemed to me as a reader that you're thinking about is the father and how you don't want the father near your baby. Yeah. How come? Well, I remember that moment very clearly because I went into the operating room almost begging them not to let him in. I was in such survival mode and fight or flight to save my child and keep him safe. And I did not want him in the room. And I believe that's why they actually physically put me out. So I was at high risk, but my mother wasn't allowed in the room either. So if I had to pick one or two, I would rather be by myself 
to protect my child. So his father, who is now since passed, has um, he had severe mental health and addiction issues, and it really came to surface after I got pregnant. And I knew immediately that this is not a safe place to be. And in order to protect my child, I have to essentially keep him away. He walks into the room with the baby, which horrifies you. But you say in the book that he's he's in, I don't remember if it was nice guy mode or everything's okay mode. And you, oh, thank God, because you have seen both sides. of. But then later he's with you alone. Yeah. And he pulls out a knife. Yeah. So I knew when he came to the hospital, I really didn't want him there, but he showed up to the hospital. He walked, it was a blizzard that night. I remember. And he came in and he walked for hours and hours and I just knew he was not in a good mental state. So I was already in a state of like hyper awareness. And I remember he came into, you know, the hospital beds, you have the curtain around you, he pulls the curtain around and he just pulled out a knife. So like normal, it wasn't threatening. And he just said, and the baby was not in my arms at that point, someone else was holding him. And he said, this baby should not be alive. And I knew he was in a state of like psychosis or something. And I immediately went, Oh, okay, tell me more. Heather, be calm, be calm. I knew that if something was about to happen, he was doing it because he wanted to protect his child, not because he wanted to harm his child. But I essentially felt like I was in one of those horrible documentaries that you watch. I'm like, this can go bad really, really quickly. And so the curtain opened and his stepdad was kind of sitting in a chair across from the bed. And I just looked at him and I said, call security. But I had to say it in a way where he didn't pick up on it. But his dad knew immediately. Yeah, he knew. He knew that he was sick. He knew it wasn't going to go down. And I just gave him that look and said, get help now, because I knew he was going to listen to me rather than if I asked his mom or somebody else. And we acted quickly. They took him out in handcuffs. And the last thing he said to me is, you will not take my child away from me. And I just remember the fire inside of me was like, you watch me. I'm five feet, but you watch me. <laughs> there, You can laugh about it now, but man, not then. Oh, man. Our stackers right now, Heather, are wondering, so what the hell does this have to do with money? But I think it's a very powerful thing that we all have these stories. And a lot of your independent story starts off with the fact that you're not enough. You have to live up to all these people, right? There's so much pressure right at the beginning for you to do things perfectly. You say to somebody, to your mom or somebody that you, you think you're a statistic. I've seen the statistics. People that have babies in high school have a hell of a time doing anything. And you're more aware of that, I think, than the average 18 year old is. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that I had a lot against me, but, but I also knew that the one thing I could control was my effort, which was very the opposite of my life. Um, as a teenager, I was not motivated. I was not an A plus student. And I think, um, that's actually gotten me to how far, like where I am today, because I've had to think outside of the box so many times. And I used anger to fuel me, believe it or not. When, when I get really angry about something, you know, we're taught not to, see anger as a good thing. It's, it's considered a bad thing, but when we can fuel it for the better, and it's like, if you don't like your situation, what are you going to do about it? So every time someone's like, "Mm, poor you, this isn't going to work. I just kept 
digging deeper and telling myself like, what are you going to do about it? You've got to prove them wrong until that coping strategy. I needed to let go of that. So that got me for like far enough. And then I had to drop it and do it from a healthier place. I'm going to fast forward a little ways then. So Logan ends up being very healthy. You are working as a social worker. You start a business on the side and you have this realization. I want to talk about your side business. And this is where we're kind of going to meet money here, Heather, is that you realize you're teaching people these techniques, yoga, meditation, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you realize nobody around you is making any money doing this. And you have a side business doing the same thing. And I'm wondering, what did you do then to decide, okay, I got to make this economically viable. I got to figure out a way. If nobody else around you is making money doing it, why did you think you could still keep doing it? So I found it really intriguing. And I don't know why, again, I don't know what it is inside of me of why I didn't buy into that, like this, an, an additional story or an industry. But I thought this is so not in alignment with what you're teaching, which is about abundance and possibility and feeling good and freedom. And I just kept questioning why, how come everyone here is like a wounded healer who's in so much debt and can barely pay their bills, but yet they're telling everyone just to sit and meditate and just think about what you want. And it will just magically show up. Like one, you have to do something about it, but two, like the mindset, I'm like, I don't want to be in this. Like, I don't want this. So when I started my side hustle, which was really inspired by my son and teaching meditation and mindfulness and understanding emotional intelligence, people were literally knocking on my door, dropping their kids off. So I'm like, okay, I'll start charging you for this 10 bucks a head, whatever. I'm like, well, $50 is not going to get me very far. Then I started jumping into the online space. I will never forget. I found someone online with a little Facebook ad before Facebook ads were cool. And she was wearing ripped jeans and she was talking about She actually talked a lot. She was a former yoga teacher, but she talked about business that was very much in alignment and abundance and charging your worth and all of that stuff. And so I went down that path and I'm like, this is it. This is something else. But again, I was the only one. Everyone else was like, Heather, oh, there she is again, doing her own thing, doing this weird stuff. So I mixed my love of social work and mental health and mindfulness with the practicality of it, but also educating parents on, you know, coming together in the relationship. And so I shifted into a traditional model, went online into coaching, and that's where I landed. Was this the time, though, that you guys had your biggest financial struggle? Because I believe in the book when you were right, if this is the same course, you were also writing that your credit cards were maxed out at that time. You call your husband to ask him if you can use his credit card. He asked what it's for. And you're like, nothing. Yeah. I got to do it. I got to do it. So, yes, there was many times like that, Joe. So when I started my side gig, I was in a traditional business. But here's the interesting part. You you know, all these money things that you hear, you got to spend money to make money, all of that. I was doing that. I knew I made a commitment to myself. Heather, you've invested so much in your student loans and and education. It's almost like you get used to the debt, but I didn't know how to transition from that debt mindset of like more, 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 more to like 
reduce the debt, but I knew that I didn't want to stay in the traditional model. So I still needed to invest and educate myself. So it was on this weird teeter totter, but I had this bigger belief that I'm going to get out of this. And I started gaining the momentum, but the money stuff all came to a head when I was diagnosed with cancer, because At that time, we were still doing the chicken and the egg thing of like, when do you pay down the debt? When do you keep reinvesting in yourself? But when I was diagnosed, we had no backup plan. And the money that I was making in my side hustle and my job was paying the bills. Like I paid for the groceries or like the little extras, but there was nothing. So because we had this health crisis, we were already in a financial like survival mode state. So there I was literally coaching people from my hospital bed because I could, I didn't have the opportunity to stop working. We both needed to work, but post cancer, I'm like, I'm done with this. I will never struggle financially again like this. But then I had to reinvest in my body. So I started investing in um, integrative medicine. Well, if you've ever walked into an integrative medical office you're walking out swiping a credit card anywhere between two and $500 per visit. And I was doing that three times a week, literally to save my life. So we sold everything off. I was still coaching. I upped my prices. I made magic happen. And it was like, okay, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And then I just kept lowering the credit cards instead of maxing them out. Maybe it wasn't a good strategy, but then I would call and be like, take down the credit a little bit. I got all my cards down and it, something shifted in me though, because the whole, you know, the beginning of this conversation of like not feeling good enough, right. That was still inside of me. That piece was still inside of me of like, you're not enough. You're not enough. You're not enough. So post-cancer I'm like, if I was enough, how would I show up? What would I charge? How would I like, you almost died Heather and you're still here you can add another zero <laughs> to your to your product. You can charge what you really want to charge for your product. You can charge this energetic exchange that feels good. And even to this day, the money stuff is still there, right? When people challenge it or they're like, I can't afford that. We have so many beliefs around who we need to be for other people. So literally what I was doing was discounting myself to meet them where they were at. Where now I'm like, if you want to work with me, you got to rise above. You have to rise to the occasion because I'm going to kick your butt. And if you want to get there, we have to do this together. So reducing the debt, but really stepping into like owning the impact I wanted to make, but also owning my own power and worth. There are so many takeaways in this story, but that is a huge one that you have to start from this foundational spot that you weren't at. And I love the fact that you're able to speak so well to people, Heather, because you've already been there. What so many people are thinking you've, you've been exactly in that spot where I'm not good enough. I got to be better. Nope. I am enough. And I absolutely love that about your story. As this is going on, I can't imagine it's easy for your husband, right? And the two of you together, as you're struggling through this, did you guys have money fights? Were you both on the same page? Like, how did you work through that? I'm smiling if people can't see me because I think finally, seven years later, we've gotten to a, we have our like 
code words now. We call it the red zone. We're going into the red zone. But there were some really rocky years with communication because I remember as I was sinking, and this is why I always advocate, I tell women all the time, I'm like, you cannot say that investing in yourself and investing any time or money into yourself is selfish because it directly influences the people around you. Because when I was low and I'm like, I can barely get out of bed. My husband was struggling, struggling, struggling. And he just wanted to be the provider, right? And he's looking at me like, I I don't know what to do. And I just remember getting so mad and being like, show up for me, show up for me. But in order to do that, he had to show up for himself. So my lack of self-worth was triggering his lack of self-worth. And it was just awful. So as I continued to grow, you know, he continued to grow and there was some really, really rocky patches, but I think it really, it made us better. And then, and then you ready for this? My husband quit his job because I advocated for him to quit his job so that I, you know, he can stay at home or work within my business or the company. And then I freak out. Now I'm the breadwinner. And so I'm like, you need a job. You need to go deliver pizzas. And, you know, I'm freaking out. And he's like, Heather, we created this life. You told me you wanted this. And the mind games we play on ourselves. And now we're at a really good place where when I go there, he's like, you're doing it again. I'm like, dang it. So (laughs) it has made us stronger for sure. The money journey. Now we openly talk about it. You know, there's not a lot of anger or frustration around the money talk, but we had to like go into the fire together over and over and over again, have many uncomfortable conversations. I see that so many times. If you don't go there, you will never, you you have to go there. And I feel like you had to go there with yourself and then had to go there with your relationship. And by the way, you even walk through the relationships with your children that Logan had some difficult times. And uh, so many, so many stories. The book is Dying to Be a Good Mother. And I'm assuming, Heather, it's available everywhere. It's available everywhere. And um, yeah, if you go to dyingtobeagoodmother.com, we have a workbook you can download and there's a link to get to wherever it's online. Well, thanks again. I know I told you this a year ago, but thanks for having so much bravery putting yourself out there because I know it's not easy. And some of these stories are so painful. So I very much appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and that Heather Chauvin is sure one hell of a mom. I mean, am I right? She makes me remember my mom and one of my favorite stories just thinking about her. She'd take me to the sizzler, just her and me and her boyfriend, Bob, who worked in the kitchen. One time, she decided to teach me independence, and she and Bob up and left the restaurant without me. Just like she planned for our little game, I had to use my problem-solving skills to call the sheriff and find her before she crossed state lines. She's such a getter. To prove her point, she even acted like she was disappointed the sheriff found her. Oh, boy. Before I tell you my favorite story about my dad, let's go get to today's trivia, shall we? While my mom liked pulling my leg with her shenanigans, here's one about another body part. We were talking about mortgages earlier, so... What's an arm? I'll be back with your answer just as soon as I grab some tissues as I I remember the good old days. Yeah. All right. Keep it together. Keep it together.
This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, now you got your to-do list, don't you? You're ready to go dive in and be better at money than you were an hour ago when you started listening to the show. And you know what? For a great partner, become a member at Navy Federal Credit Union because becoming a member at Navy Federal could help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt. Well, when you're thinking about debt, as I've said before, a lot of people have debt. Very few people have a debt strategy. Well, with Navy Federal, you could borrow up to 100% of your home equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing cost or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. Make the plan, choose the best option because both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required, terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. Hey, trivia fans, I'm your favorite stacker, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Maybe some of you wonder about my dad, too. Well, I only saw him whenever the circus came through town, but during those stops, he was always worried about teaching me financial literacy. He was a do-as-I-do kind of guy, so he'd take out that credit card with my name on it and spend it all the way up to the limit so I could learn from an early age two lessons, two, two really big lessons. One, how to hide from those, in his words, damned leeches calling you from the credit card companies, and B, what a struggle it was, a completely uphill battle for me to repay his consumer debt. Ah, lessons. My parents really were the best. Before I get all sentimental on you, let's get back to today's trivia. My dad would tickle my funny bone with his antics, but today's question is about another body part, an arm. While we talk about mortgages, what does that mean? An arm is an adjustable rate mortgage. The rate may be guaranteed for a short period of time, like a year or three, but then it'll be swimming wherever interest rates are headed. While an arm is great when rates are high and you think they're coming down, they're not as wonderful in a rising interest rate environment. Of course, different adjustable rate mortgages have different specifications, like you know, like how much they can rise and fall during any given period. So make sure you know the fine print ahead of time. Speaking of fine print, I learned that lesson too, uh, and I've cut off my dad. <laughs> I love it. I mean, he pretends like he's mad about it, but that's just him kidding around. It's such a dad. See ya. 
Huge thanks to Heather for coming down to the basement and uh, sharing that that story. Her story is so amazing. When you think you're dealing with a lot, OG, you talk to Heather Chauvin and you're like, yeah, my life is fine. I think I can handle my little credit card debt or I can, I can uh, figure out how I work with this next client or I can get this thing done in my life that seems to be a pain. Hear, hear what she's been through. I'm like, okay, yep, got it. Really puts it in perspective, huh? Totally, totally does. As does Doug's story about uh, lessons from lessons from your parents. Your parents teach you to uh, teach you by maxing out your credit cards on your behalf. No, thankfully, not yet. There's still time. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency—they put what you value first. OG, big old pile of. Fresh cedar for my new fence that I bought five years ago. So now I'm gonna I'm gonna take my fence apart, sell it to my neighbor for a profit. No. <laughs> Put up a chain link fence. Oh, geez, taking his fence down. <laughs> hey, buy low, sell high. That's right. Who needs buy. cedar? Fresh buy cedar low. already stained. Five dollars less than the lumber yard. Yeah. It's actually your your uh, friends and your time, your family and your time. You get lots of family if you don't have a fence because anybody <laughs> yeah. can come over to your yard and go swimming and drink your beer. Check out the pool. I'll be the first one there, man. Be like, what's Joe doing over by the beer tap again? Again. Sir, use a cup. Use a cup, sir. You don't have to drink it right from the tap. <laughs> it's just faster that way. It is. Better delivery system. It's like a keg stand when you stand on the bar. That's why they've made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. So you can get to the important stuff. You think you put that on the app? I do keg stands. No. I, I would recommend no. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote. You can hit pause and you'll see that the application's simple. It's online. It is so much quicker to get through it than those old traditional applications, affordable prices, and best yet, you still get the backing of their parent company, Mass Mutual, which is more than 160 years old. Today, we're going to throw out the lifeline to our old friend, Roy. Hey, Roy. Hello, Joe, OG, and the man behind the success of the show, neighbor Doug. It's Roy from England, but as you can tell from how funny I talk, I'm not from here. I'm here with the Air Force, but I do plan to live here when I'm done with serving in the Air Force. I guess you would consider me a long-time listener, since I've been listening to the show for about a year. Before I get to my question, I would like to humble brag about my Stacking Benjamins flex. I believe I have hit the Stacking Benjamins cycle. I magnified my money, subscribed to the Stacker, joined the Basement Facebook group, and the grand slam of them all had a COVID-19 chat with OG. On to my question. With the last year we have had, it would be nice to hear something positive. What has been your best personal and professional financial success story? I hope to hear a response from neighbor Doug that teaches us how to get a free meal at the Sizzler or discount on El Camino parts. Thanks for all that you do. And I'm sorry for increasing your listeners to four. Tell Gertrude I'm a medium and want a shirt with the abs cut out to show off my four pack abs. Hashtag more Doug in 2021. (laughs) How long do you think it took him? That's a one take. You think Roy's a one take guy? Yeah. Oh yeah. He's a pro. 
can tell. The abs cut out for my four pack abs. Yep. I've got the one pack going. Nice, nice, solid one pack. You know, because if you got like the four pack or the six pack stuff, gets caught could get caught in there. I don't want that happening. <laughs> That's great. And, and uh, by the way, Roy, thanks for drinking all of our Kool Aid. I appreciate That's it. Right. He's he's like checked every box. It's like a bingo card, which is great. But the basement is a ton of fun. Talking with OG, I get to do it three times a week, and I pinch myself every time I get to do that. And uh, yeah, hanging out with uh, hanging out with Doug depends on the day. Depends on the day. But let's let's get to the question. Roy asks, "What's your biggest financial win, OG?" Biggest financial wins wins. That's with a Z. Uh, it took us the better part of nine months to refinance our house. Because of your self-employment status? Yeah. Well, and you know, and rightfully so, banks, every time you go, hey, I'm a business owner, they're like, whoa, how's it going? I'm like, it's going okay. Cool. Let's just take a look at your, uh, let's take a look at your quarterly numbers next quarter, see how things are. Let's take a look at your uh, everything. And then the next quarter would come and go and they'd be like, so how's everything? Like, still good. Great. Uh, let's take a look at the next quarter and see how it goes. So anyway, so that got all squared away. That was good about... Did the 15 year, two and a half percent. So happy about that. I'm working on a deal for a rental property, both to purchase and one to sell. So that would be kind of a cool, cool swap if I have that opportunity. So we'll see how that plays out. I think those are probably the biggest ones, you know, managed to keep everybody employed. I think that's a really big win as it relates to COVID and business ownership. I think that's cool. I think it all dovetails like life and money stuff. So my, my biggest one, Roy, would be when I sold my business at 40. There was no better time for me. I didn't get as much money as I should have gotten for it, probably. I got a fair price for it, but I was able to do something, stop doing something that I like doing, being a financial planner, and go pursue stuff that I loved. And that took me a while, as OG knows, saw me drift through that period, start off thinking I was going to be a high school teacher. Then I thought that I would be the next great fiction writer. Then uh, OG and I started up this blog, and then that became the podcast. And then, what, about four years ago, five years ago, we started podcasting. That's all I do now. Um, and four or five years ago, we started podcasting? No, started podcasting full time where there was no more blog. Like the blog oh. went bye bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It went bye bye and it was podcast or nothing else. Yeah. And so I would say selling my business, less for the money. I mean, don't get me wrong. My business uh, was able to help us bridge a time when I was trying to do something different. It also was able to put my two kids through college without student loans. So that was fantastic. Also gave us money now. So that I don't have to rely on podcasting income to make ends meet. I think the bigger part of it though, OG, the money was great, but it was a fuel for allowing me to get out of something that I didn't love into something that I wanted to do more. That was the big part, being able to do what what I wanted to do. I think you wanted to know a big win in the last year, but that's okay. That's a good answer. Was it the last year? I mean, you took some liberties with the time frame. That's okay. You see how I answer the question I wanted to answer? <laughs> yes. You were all ready to go. Yeah. Yes. I think my, my biggest, finan- our biggest financial win, I don't know about win so much as just keeping our head above water when so many people lost their jobs, OG, mm-hmm. like just feeling grateful that, that I was able to, to keep going 
you know, was probably a big, a big thing for me. I think of over the last year, joining Westwood One was a big crater because we changed people doing, doing partnerships for our show at probably the worst possible time. But now, as you know, the the coaching they've given us, the mentorship they've given us, the uh, great partner they become. While I don't think we've seen monetary benefits yet, I think that uh, pairing up, as we've always said, having smart people in your corner that know what they're doing, I think that was a big win. A little tiny win. Just a little tiny win because I didn't put much money in it. But I bought some GM stock and I really feel good about that. Good job. I do feel good about that. I didn't put hardly any money in it. The fact that I did that, I feel like we spent a lot of last year playing defense and uh, early this year. I bought some money in my sandbox account. It's the first time I really felt uh, optimistic in a long time. So, and it was nice going back on the, going back on offense instead of just playing defense. So GM, if you'd like to sponsor the show, we could talk about GM stock all the time. We'll all get GM stock instead of cash. It's a great idea. It's fantastic. Kathy Wood has to watch out for me, man. Always take the equity. That's the rule. <laughs> Always. Thanks for that question, Roy. We'll get you your code ASAP so we can send a shirt across the pond. Uh, thanks for your service, by the way. And great to hear your voice, Roy. If you've got a question for us, head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And uh, we'd love to chat about whatever is on your mind. All right, that's going to do it for today. Big thanks to, man, thanks to a lot of people again, to Kevin and Heather for helping us make this show go today, to all of you for hanging out with us during your busy day. It's always fun to hear from our stacker friends. Thanks to everybody who's left a review of this year's show. Here's another one, OG. I talked about one Monday. Here's another one mom's bragging about. Five stars from Toll and Mama. I've learned so much and laughed a lot. I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to the show since I started about a year ago. I listen on my runs or daycare drop-offs and look like a fool laughing to myself. Even though some of the concepts they talk about are sometimes more complex by listening over time, I've grasped financial and investing concepts I haven't understood before. Thanks for making financial education enjoyable. Oh, thanks for that, Tola Mama. We appreciate the kind words, and we're so happy that you're hanging out with us. And finally, if you're someone that needs better help in your corner after the heck of a year we had this last year, we talk about playing defense. If you feel like I did and uh, we're playing defense last year and it's time to get your financial house moving again, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash OG. That's where OG and his team of financial planners are. And you can get on their calendar to talk about how their team can interface with your team to do better with your money in 2021 and beyond. All right. That is it for today. Doug, you got it from here, my friend. What should we have learned today? Sure thing, Joe. I got your back. First, take a lesson from Kevin Parker from Navy Federal. Information is your best friend and getting educated about a refinance or mortgage before diving in always pays dividends. Second, take a lesson from Heather Chauvin. No matter who says it, even if they're a guru, You're not out of the game. You have it inside you to make great things happen. But the big lesson? Turns out my parents taught me lessons through a little-known method known as tough love. That must be why I turned into everybody's favorite guy that I am today.
<laughs> I'd love to stay and chat, but it's time for me to go massage Joe's mom's feet. To learn more about our guests and for more resources, you can head to our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. And to learn more about Heather's podcast and book, you can head to heatherschauvin.com. That's Heather, C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com. Or simply pick up Dying to Be a Good Mother, How I Dropped the Guilt and Took Control of My Life and Parenting, wherever books are sold. This show is created by Joe Saul Seahide. Produced by Taylor Stevens and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I really thought doing these credits completely naked would have been a lot more fun than it actually was. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. Welcome to the after show. You know, on Monday, we did not talk about our event last week, the stack. What a great time last week, OG. Probably the best one we've had, yeah. I think it was the best one, even though it started off for people that couldn't make it. It started off so damn rocky. It started off so and, and it started just off to, exactly how, it was, <laughs> how, how we thought it might. <laughs> well, this is the frustrating part, as uh, what most of you don't know. It took us three months to plan this event. We started talking to Allison and seeing if she could do it. I felt Allison Baggerly, if you didn't, if you weren't able to attend, Allison Baggerly, one of our favorite and um, hugely successful budget experts on Instagram. Over 100,000 people follow her on Instagram about budgets of all things. 100,000 people following anybody on anything is crazy, but about budgets. And that's because as our friends saw that hung out with us, she's just so lively and fun and, and, uh, interesting and does such a great job. But anyway, so we talked to her, we talked to Andy, we wanted to talk to Andy because of his big surprise, which I think took people by surprise when Andy did his, did his thing. Should we make that? Cheryl said we should make Andy song, our theme song. We should snip that out. Well, we'll see about the music rights. We'll have our people call his people to negotiate it. The parody rights, by the way, we, 
we played some clips that are available online everywhere and are meant to be played online. And uh, OG was telling me right after the stack that we had like YouTube notices, people going, oh, copyright, copyright, which is crazy. Just freely available stuff and everybody behind the scenes stuff. Yep. Wants a piece of that lunch. It was, it was nuts. And then uh, Frankie Chalenza, of course, he's uh, just a great chef. And, and it turned out lots of our stackers followed him already follow Frankie and struggle meals. I had a friend of mine was texting during the event and he's like, Hey, can you chat about something? I said, no, we're doing a live event for stacking Benjamins. He goes, all right, I'm gonna flip it on. He, and, then he, and then he's texting. He goes, Oh my God, is that the struggle meals guy? You know him. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, so, and getting, talking to Frankie's people and that took probably six weeks. We had two meetings with his people about, okay, what's this going to be? How's it going to work? So anyway, you do all this prep, you do all this writing, you've all this stuff, and then you go live and immediately neighbor Doug's internet goes out. Doug's power goes down just like which, that. which some, I do think that's why that affected my video that my video wouldn't come on. Mm-hmm. I heard this massive echo for the next three minutes. Everybody can hear me as we're struggling with getting the show up and running the hour before we had a run through where it was perfect. Everything went just great. Then we go live and at the front end, but anyway, pulled it together. And actually I think our guest OG really saved us because once we got rolling, it was, that was a ton of fun. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. A little bit shorter, a little bit tighter. It was a good time. We're going to have another one. Uh, Don't know when the next one's going to be, but if you missed it, Hope you got a little FOMO. I was like, I do know when the next one is. Are we just not telling when the next one is? Or I, we... I don't think we're going to tell anybody when it is. Oh, okay. And by the way, this is the hard thing is that when we finish one, I always think to myself, yeah, I got nothing. And that, and that's kind of where I am right now. Yeah, I got nothing. And then I look at what we came up with. So now, now we got to beat it, OG. Mm-hmm. Now we got to beat it. Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union can help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal's savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt. Well, if you're thinking consolidation, that's part of your plan. You could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing cost or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. What I like, you make your plan first and then you use the appropriate instrument to get you there and Navy Federal has them. Both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA. Equal housing lender. Membership required. Terms and conditions apply. Loan subject to approval.